Daniel chapter number 10. This is such a great study tonight. My soul, I have so, I've enjoyed the whole book, but, but tonight is going to be really special. Uh, how many of you have ever prayed and felt like that nothing happened? Felt like nothing happened. Felt like it didn't get past the ceiling. Uh, we, we are, we're going to talk about that. We're going to, we're going to talk about that. Uh, listen, this is an introduction. This particular chapter, chapter number 10 is an introduction to the end. If you will, it's an introduction to the last two chapters. The main prophecy of Daniel, the most descriptive part, the largest prophecy is here in 11 and 12. Well, chapter 10 is the intro to those two chapters. If that makes sense, say amen. In other words, he's going to tell you what happened in detail that day that he got the vision and, and received what God had for him. So with that being said, let's jump right in Daniel chapter number 10 in verse number one. If you're there, say amen. amen. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. And he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks, 21 days. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. In the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hidekel, which is the Tigris River, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Euphaz. His body was also like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as a lamp of fire, and his arms and his feet like in colored of uh, polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness or beauty was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words, when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep. On my face and my face toward the ground. Basically, he passed out. It was such a significant experience, such an incredible sight that he saw. It was all he could take. He passed out. And behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee and stand upright. For unto thee am I now sent, and when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for, for the first day, or excuse me, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. And when he had spoken such words unto me, 
I set my face toward the ground and I became dumb. I was not able to speak. And behold, one like unto the similitude of the sons of men touched my lips. And then I opened my mouth and spake and said unto him that stood by before me, O my Lord, by the vision, my sorrows are turned upon me and I have retained no strength. For how can the servant of this, my Lord, talk with this, my Lord? For as for me, straightway, there remain no strength in me. Neither is their breath left in me. Keep in mind, he's almost 90 years old. Then there came again, excuse me, then there came again and touched me one like the appearance of a man and he strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto thee, be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened and let, and said, let my Lord speak for thou hast strengthened me. Then said he, knowest thou wherefore I am come unto thee? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. But I will show thee that that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that beholdeth with me in these things, but Michael, your prince. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful and thankful for your truth. I'm so thankful for people that are hungry to know it. And Lord, I praise you and I glorify your name. You're worthy of our praise. Lord, I am so, so uh, aware of my unworthiness to stand before you. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll fill me with your Holy Spirit. I need it. I desperately need it. And I ask you for it. God, we we are broken people. We are humble people needing a fresh glimpse of your truth tonight, a fresh touch of your spirit tonight. And I pray that you'll help us. Lord, let this be an encouragement to us. There's people here that are hurting. There's people here that are needy. There's people here that are broken. Lord, there's people here that are in desperate need of having their prayers heard and answered. And I pray, dear God, that you'll help us now. Lord, we we love you and we need you. And God, we pray that your spirit and your presence will be felt in this place. God will thank you and praise you and give you glory for it all. Bless those that fare of you. Lord, I know you can be in two places at one time. And I'm thankful for the faithful folks out there that are with us right now. And I pray, God, that you will honor them and bless them and let them feel your presence just as much as it's in this building and be with them also. And God will praise you and thank you and give you glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Let's just jump right into the outline and we'll go, we'll go down through the chapter tonight. Uh, uh, First of all, we see a praying prophet, a praying prophet in verse number 10, we find the time when this takes place in the third year of Cyrus, King of Persia. A thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was, was called Belshazzar, excuse me, and the thing was true, but the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. Now, what are we seeing? We know that God, remember this, remember this, everything we've studied is about Daniel and his people. So who would that be? Israel, the nation of Israel, all right? Nothing we're talking about has anything to do with the church at all, whatsoever, all right? Everything is about Israel. 
Israel is in captivity. Israel has rebelled against God. Israel has been chastised by the Lord and he put them in bondage. He put them in captivity for seven years. Basically this, he put that the first known time out in the history of mankind. Okay. He sent them to uh, Babylon. He kept them there because of their disobedience, because of their rebellion, because of their sin. Now, Daniel has been studying the word. He's been studying the the writings of the prophets and and specifically Jeremiah. And he learned that, hey, there's going to come an end to this thing. God has promised that after 70 years that he would bring his people back home. They would be able to go back home. And and we, we've studied that part, right? And, and so now here in chapter number 10, this is three years, three years after Cyrus has come three years after he has made a decree and said, Hey, y'all go home. Y'all go home. All right. Does that make sense? So we're three years into this day. Say, well, why didn't Daniel go home? He's 90 years old. He'd have never made the trip. All right. He's, he's, he's seeing where he can be more useful. He can be more of a blessing to God's people in the position that he is in the, the authority that he has in the hierarchy, in the political realm. Are y'all with me? Say amen. But, but we, we, there's an issue. Something is causing him to grieve. Something is causing him to mourn. And so that's, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. All right. Look at here. First of all, I want you to see the reasoning. Let me give you A and B because they kind of go together. The reasoning for his prayer. Why is he praying? Why is he praying with such intensity? Why aren't they celebrating? Man, why aren't they throwing a party? Hey, let's, let's, let's have a party. We're going to go back home. The king, the, 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 the one who has got us in captivity here, he said we can all go back home. But that's not what he's doing. He is praying. He is beseeching God. He's wanting to know what about your people? The whole prayer, the whole time from the very first vision that Daniel got all the way to end of chapter number 12, Daniel wants to know about Israel. Daniel wants to know what about God's people? What is going to happen? What, what is going to take place? What about the temple? What about the the city, Jerusalem? Oh God, what about your people? Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. All right. Now, so, so he's praying for the people, but, but why do we see his remorse? Why is he broken? He said, I, I have been mourning, mourning. There's sorrow here. There's grief here. He is hurting. He is, he is in pain. Can y'all see this? I, I need you to get this because you, you got to understand the significance of this, of why he does what he does. Listen, you don't do, you don't fast out of habit. You know, I, I know, I know there are churches and I'm not speaking against this and I don't want nobody leaving. So, oh, that, that church is just doing, I, I know churches post about fasting and Hey, we're going to fast this time every year. And, and that's not, you don't understand. You really don't understand fasting. Fasting is you're so broken, you're hurting. You, you don't even want to eat. You have no appetite. You have no desire. You want something and need something from God. Are y'all with me? He is, he is broken and we see his grief, but what's the grief all about? Well, you got to understand, you got to understand there were thousands. 
thousands and thousands and thousands of people taken captive. But when he made the decree, okay, everybody, you can go home. You can go home. You're you're no longer a captive. You're no longer in captivity. You go home. Only 50,000 chose to go. What does that mean? That means there was a lot of them that were satisfied where they were. That means there was a lot of them that had grown apathetic toward the things of God and the city of God and the, and, and the place of God. They were probably established. They were probably become kind of wealthy. They were satisfied. They had become, watch this now, everybody look at me, everybody look at me. They become comfortable. And see, in order, to go, in order to go to Jerusalem, it means you'd have to sacrifice. If, in order to go back home, it means you would have to give up the comfort of where you were. Even if where you were was not where you were supposed to be. He was grieving. He was grieving. He was broken because only, and I know 50,000 people seems like a lot of people, but in the big scheme of things, that's not a lot of people. Not only was there a small amount, but if you go read Ezra, and I would encourage you to do that, Ezra is, we see in the first chapter of Ezra, you, you get the declaration, hey, y'all go home. We're, we're going to make sure, go home, build that temple. Build that temple. They get the decree. Then they list all the families that went and, and give you the number of how many went. But then you'll find in chapter number four, in chapter number four of Ezra, you'll find out that that there was great opposition when they were trying to build all the people around them. Thank you. Thank you. All the people around them, they were saying, you can't do this. You don't need to do this. And they gave them grief and and specifically, specifically the Samaritans. Now, how many of y'all, how many of y'all remember studying in the new Testament? How many of y'all remember studying in the new Testament and seeing and feeling the hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans. Now, what, what we see right here is where it all started. You see, the Assyrians had taken captive people out of northern Israel, which, you know, the, the kingdom split. There was southern Israel, which would be Judah, and northern Israel. The capital would become Samaria. Well, they begin to mix the races between the Assyrians and, and the Jews. And what happened was, what happened was when they came back, when the full-blooded Jews came back, the, the priests and the high priests and the Levites and the people who cared and concerned about God and his word and his law and his temple and his holy city, they came back and they began to build. Well, this mixed group of people said, hey, let us help you. We want to worship God, and, and it was all about sabotage. We, want, we worship the same God. We do everything. And they said, you have no part in this matter. You see, they were so concerned about the purity of the temple. They were so concerned about the purity of the law. They were so concerned because they knew it was because of idolatry that they ended up in captivity to begin with. And when they said, no, you can't help us. We have to do it the right way with the right people, with the right. Are y'all with me? In that moment, that began a hatred and a separation. They went back to Samaria and built their own temple. 
You remember, you remember when Jesus met the woman at the well and, and, and she was a Samaritan woman and, and you remember, and, 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 and he, she said, now, now, now you say we're supposed to worship in Jerusalem, but our father said we're to worship in this mountain. Y'all remember? Well, it started here. And so they hated him. They tried to stop him. Matter of fact, matter of fact, eventually they sent a letter. They sent a letter and said, they're just trying to rebel against you. And, and, and Artaxerxes made him stop building. So here's what happened. Here's what happened. When the opposition came, they got the foundation laid. And then for 16 years, 16 years, nothing happened. No building. And watch this. This is, this is amazing how we are as people, as humanity. We started building our own houses. We started getting so consumed with our own affairs that we just forgot about God's house and God's priority. And for 16 years, there was no building whatsoever. And so what's happening with Daniel? You see, he's high up. He's high up in the ranks. So he's getting all the official reports. And he, he, he listen, the report that, 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 that Cyrus gave them all of the necessary things to build the temple. Cyrus gave them all of the, the tools and the, and the utensils and all the vessels and all that's great. And he got the report that, listen, 50,000 people went. He got the report that they started building. But then he started getting the reports of the opposition. Then he started getting reports of, of no work being done. Nothing being completed. Now, now, see, here, now he's thinking. Now Daniel's thinking, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. God, you promised. Wait a minute. You said, you said that we would be able to go back and hardly anybody went back. And, and you said that it would be restored and the walls would be built and the city would be rebuilt and the, and the temple would be rebuilt. But nothing's happening. Y'all get it now? Yeah. And he's broken. He's grieving. Listen, this is something, this is something that's so far away. It's so far away from the modern church. We grieve when we have to pay too much for fuel. He was grieving over the condition of God's people. I'll tell you what we need to be grieving over. Not knowing what a man or a woman is. I'll tell you what we need to be grieving over. The wickedness in our country. I'll tell you what we need to be grieving over. The apathy with God's people. The lack of reverence and the lack of awe for the things of God. The lack of sincerity. The lack of priority. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't broken because his bank account was affected. He wasn't broken. He was broken because God's people and God's land and God's name was not being glorified. Boy, I tell you, he gives us something to shoot for, doesn't he? And all God's people see it. His reasoning. Can y'all see the reasoning? Can y'all see the remorse? He's broken. But then the refraining. This is where the, look what he says. <clears throat> In verse two, 
In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks, 21 days. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth. In other words, everything that was good. Neither did I anoint myself at all. Three full whole weeks were fulfilled. Now, here's the thing. He didn't bathe. He didn't do anything that would be a privilege, if you will. Some people call this the Daniel fast, you know, and, and, and they use this and, and I've done it before, you know, eat no meat, nothing but, but beans, uh, vegetables, if you will. But the, the point he was making is he wanted God to know he's serious. He refrained, you know, the angel called it chastening himself, chastening, chastening is a form of discipline. I, I tell you, that's a, that's a thing that's probably missing in a lot of, a lot of modern churches and a lot of modern Christians is today, just discipline. But he said, I will not eat, I will not eat anything pleasant. I will not eat any meat. I will not eat any, and this was not, this was not new to Daniel. If you'll go back to the very beginning, when we studied, how many of y'all remember in the very beginning when they tried to get him to eat stuff that was a privilege to eat, the king's meat. He said, no, no, just give us basically porridge. Give us vegetable, pulse, and water. Listen, let's get serious with God. Let's get serious in our praying. Let's get serious in our service. And, and I, and I want to say this too. I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight. Probably everybody in this building on Wednesday night serves. But we had like 130-something people sign up to serve Sunday, and I want to give God the praise and the glory and the honor. And I want to thank all those that signed up. And I tell you what, I want to thank all those that have served without me having to ask. I think we all need to get serious, get serious. Church, say amen. He, he refrained. Then, then number two. We kind of get, we, we kind of, can, can y'all see, uh, can y'all see the prophet in his, his praying, his, his remorse, his, his mourning, the reasoning behind it. He's really getting serious with God. In other words, I, I don't, I don't know that he, he decided, I don't know that he decided, okay, for 21 days, for 21 days, I'm not going to eat no meat. For 21 days, because that's what we do now. We call it the Daniel fast. It was 21 days. So we plan for 21 days. We, I think he started praying and he would do without. God didn't answer, so he kept praying. He didn't get what he prayed for or asked for. He didn't get an answer, so he kept praying. Does that make sense? God didn't move the first day, so he kept praying. God didn't move the second day, so he kept praying. He didn't hear nothing the third day, so he kept praying. I think that teaches we need to be persistent in our prayers. Amen? Listen, look what happens. Verse number four. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hedeco, which is the Tigris River, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked and behold, a certain man clothed in fine, or excuse me, in linen, whose loins were girded with the fine gold of Euphaz. 
His body also was like the barrel and his face is the appearance of lightning and his eyes is a lamp of fire and his arms and his feet like in color to polish brass and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. Look what happens. I, Daniel alone, saw the vision. For the men that were with me, he had attendants with him, probably servants or people that were attending him. For the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore, I was left alone and saw this great vision. and There remained no strength in me. For my comeliness was turned into me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. Say, what in the world just happened? I'll tell you what happened. He saw a pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ. It's called a theophany. A manifestation of God or Christophany, Christ seen other times in the Old Testament. It happened many times. <clears throat> it happened many times. Say, so, well, let's let's do some let's do some research, y'all. Y'all want to do some research tonight? Let's do some research. First of all, we need to see why he even showed up. So far, so far, he's been dealing with Gabriel, right? He's been dealing with Gabriel, the messenger angel. Are we with y'all? Well, if you're here for the first time tonight, you don't know that. But if you've been here in the Daniel study, Gabriel has been coming and giving him visions, giving him the truth, giving him a message from God. Well, now Jesus shows up. All right. Jesus in his pre-incarnate form before he came in a manger. And you say, preacher, what do you mean? I thought he started in the manger. No, no, no. He always has been and always will be. Okay, now watch this. But why, why did he just show up? What, what's the point? Look what it says. Jeremiah 29, 10. Jeremiah 29, 10. This is Jeremiah's prophecy. This is Jeremiah's prophecy. For thus saith the Lord that after 70 years he be accomplished at Babylon, I will what? I will visit you. You know what? He visited him. He said, I will perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. Listen, it's a manifestation of God. First of all, we see his appearance. Now let's compare. One of the greatest ways to study your Bible, watch watch this now. Everybody look at me. One of the greatest ways to study your Bible is to study your Bible. Well, that's, that's revolutionary, isn't it? What in the world do you mean by that? The greatest commentary to your Bible is your Bible. In other words, we see a situation here. We see a description given here. Is there any other description in the Bible that that is similar to this that would tell us who this is? I think there is. I think there is. If we look in Revelation chapter number one, it's right in your nose. You don't even have to turn. See, I've made y'all lazy people in here, okay? Revelation chapter one, verse 13. This is John on the Isle of Patmos. He is in the spirit on the Lord's day. He's worshiping on the Lord's day on the Isle of Patmos and Jesus shows up. The glorified Christ shows up. Revelation 1 13. Now let me go back. Let me go back and read Daniel and then we'll come to jump over and read uh, Revelation 1. Are y'all with me? Watch this. I lifted up my night. This is Daniel. I lifted up my eyes and looked and behold a certain man clothed in linen whose loins were girded 
with fine gold. So there's a golden girdle. His body was like beryl. That's a, that's a jewel, a precious, uh, beautiful jewel. And his face was as the appearance of lightning and his eyes as a lamp of, and his arms is in his feet, like in the color of polished what? And the voice of his words, like the voice of a multitude. All right. Now watch this, watch this revelation one thirteen. And in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one likened to the son of man, that's Jesus clothed with a garment down to the foot and gird about the paths with a, his head and his hairs were white, like wool as white as snow. His eyes were as a what? And his feet like under, as if they burned in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters. That means it was impressive. Means it was loud. It was, it was, imagine, imagine this. I don't know if you've ever been there. Some of y'all may have been there. I've never been there, but I've seen it on video. The sound of uh, Niagara Falls. That roar that takes place is that, that tons and tons and tons of water flow over that, over those falls. That's, that's what I imagine in my head. He said this, this voice was incredible. Same identical vision. I believe this is the glorified Christ, the glorified Lord. Watch this now. Watch this. Frequently, frequently in the biblical account of salvation, you find the Lord Jesus Christ appearing to his servants at special times, either to deliver a special message. Hang on. Let me, I got to say something. I got to say something. Okay. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Before Jesus came in a manger, he would appear to people on this earth in different forms. Okay? But when Jesus came in the manger, he took upon a form permanently. This is the difference. When he was born of a virgin and he took upon a human body, he would be in that human body for eternity. Are y'all with me? Say amen. He said, how do you know? Because when he shows up again, he's going to hold his hands out and they're going to see his hands that they pierce. Are y'all with me? But in the old Testament, in the old Testament, he would appear in different ways. If that makes sense, say amen. Now watch this, watch this. Frequently in the biblical account of salvation history, you find that the Lord Jesus Christ appearing to his servants at special times either to deliver a special message or to prepare them for a special ministry. He usually appeared in a fashion compatible with their circumstances or their calling. To Abraham, the pilgrim, Jesus came as a traveler. But, oh, by the way, by the way, when he came to Abraham, there were three. And he said, you know what he told Abraham? He said, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. That's where Lot was, his nephew. How many was there? And that's when, that's when he said, hey, 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 if I can find 50 righteous, if I can find 40 righteous, if I can find 30 righteous, if I can just find 10 righteous people. And he said, I won't destroy it. Could not find 10. But how many went to see Lot? Why? Abraham was a friend of God. Lot was out of fellowship with God. That's just a thought. Okay? 
You know what that tells me? You better stay out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Anyway, that's another thought. Jesus came as a traveler in Genesis 18. To Jacob, the schemer, he came as a wrestler. Oh, yeah, he was wrestling. He was wrestling. Before Joshua attacked Jericho, before, I love this one. Before Joshua attacked Jericho, Jesus came as captain of the Lord's armies. Y'all remember? Y'all remember? Right before they went into Jericho, right before that, Joshua's out by himself and he runs into a soldier with a sword. And he said, are you on our side? He said, no, you're on my side. Yeah, go read and study it. I don't have time, but it'll be good for you. <laughs> Joshua 5, 13. He, he appeared to Isaiah and revealed himself as the king on the throne. Now, why? Why? Why, why did he do this? Why, why, why would he re- reveal himself to Joshua as, a, as the captain of the Lord's host with a sword? Because they're fixing to go into... Why did he reveal himself as king to Isaiah? Because the Bible says in that chapter, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high, and we're going to read that in a minute. Why was that important? Because King Uzziah was, Isaiah was a young prophet. He was a young preacher at that time, if you will. He was a young prophet and King Uzziah was his hero. King Uzziah, man, Isaiah looked up to him because in the beginning he was a godly king, but he messed up and got prideful. Y'all remember he tried to go into the temple and, and, and take the office of a priest and God struck him down with leprosy and he died. And Isaiah was so broken because the king had died. The king had, had fell into sin. The king had been punished with the leprosy. And listen, his hero had died, but Jesus showed himself. He said, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up. And what God was doing was saying, Isaiah, there may have been an earthly king that has fallen, but you need to understand no matter what happens on earth, there is a king on the throne in all of his glory in heaven. Preacher, what is the point? He shows up to those in what they have need of. Does this make sense? Listen. Jesus showed up many times, came as a captain of the Lord's host in Joshua to Isaiah. He revealed himself as the king on the throne in Isaiah 6. But to the two Jewish exiles, being Daniel in Babylon and John on Patmos, Jesus appeared as the glorified king priest. Why is that important? After seeing the son of God, both men were given visions of future events that involved the people of God, events that would be difficult to accept and understand. Both of them. Think about this. Before he wrote Revelation, he saw Christ. Before Daniel wrote the, the, probably the greatest part of the prophecy he had, he saw Christ. Now, we see, did I even give you that word, his appearance, his appearance. I've seen that look on some of your faces. So are we caught up now? We see the pre-incarnate Christ, the pre-incarnate Jesus. We see his appearance, right? We saw it in Daniel. We saw it in Revelation chapter 1. Same person, same vision, same description, the glorified Christ. How do we know it's the same one? 
because it's the same appearance and he has the same effect. Write that down. He has the same effect. Look at my time. Therefore, I was left alone. And let me say something too. Let me say something too before I forget it. Watch this. Oh, verse seven. Are y'all there? And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. Watch this. The men that were with me. Y'all are so slow tonight. I, Daniel, alone. The men that were with me. Watch this. Watch this. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. Let me tell you something about men and women of God. They get to see things other people don't get to see. You may tell you about people who get serious with God. Get serious and make God a priority. They'll get to see things other people don't see. They'll get to experience things other people don't. And, and by the way, by the way, what, what did those men do? What did those men do? They fled. There is something about, there is something about how you see Christ. When you're right with him and when you have sin in your life. Adam and Eve. When God came in the garden and said, hey, what'd they do? They run and hid. Let me ask you a question. If Jesus shows up tonight, what would you have to do? Just a thought. Just a thought. Watch this. Watch this. Now, now, all you holy people in here, don't get arrogant. Because watch what happens to you. Therefore, I was left alone and saw this great vision and there remained no strength in me. Watch this. Oh, my soul. For my comeliness was turned in me into corruption and I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words. And when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face. And my face toward the ground. In other words, he planted it. Now, now watch this. Now, stay with me now because I don't have much time. So let me just talk, okay? He's planted face down. He's passed out. He didn't just all of a sudden, I, I need to take me a nap. That's not, no. It, it was so overwhelming. He passed out. Now, watch John. Or excuse me. Revelation one seventeen. Revelation 117. And when I saw him, this is John speaking on Patmos. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. dead. Now watch this. Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6. 
Isaiah said that in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted. Now keep in mind, keep in mind for five chapters, for five chapters, Isaiah has been woeing everybody. Woe unto you, woe unto y'all, woe unto, woe, woe, woe. I mean, he's been, he's been pronouncing sin. He's pronouncing judgment. Y'all were this, y'all were that. Woe unto all y'all. Until he's seen Christ. Now watch. Skip down to verse five. After he seen the Lord high and lifted up. He saw, the, he saw the creatures crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Then said I, say it with me. Woe is me. Woe is me. You know, there's something about seeing Christ. You won't see everybody else's sins. You'll see your own. For I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. What effect does, does running into the Lord have? Well, number one, there's an overwhelming sense of sin. How many of y'all remember, how many of y'all remember when Peter was in the boat and, 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 and this is early on, so Peter... Peter has a belief in Christ, but he doesn't really have a full understanding. And he says, push off into the drought. Listen, drop your nets. We're going to have a, we're going to have a fish catch it. He said, man, we done fished all night long. We ain't caught nothing. He said, just do it anyway. Y'all know what happens. Let the nets down. There's a ton of fish. What happened? He saw Jesus for who he really is. And you know what he said? Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this, the closer we get to God, the more of our own wickedness we see. We're we're not going to be shouting in the services. We're not going to be carrying on in the services. We're not going to be thinking about who so-and-so over there is that needs to hear this. We're not going to be wondering who's wearing a cap or who's wearing tight britches or who's, who's driving this or who's doing this over here or who's gotten, having an affair over here. You're not going to worry about what nobody's doing. All you're going to be able to see is how wicked you are standing up to a holy Christ. And if we would just have more experiences with Christ, we'd be less judgmental. We'd quit worrying about what everybody else is doing. We'd be quitting. Hello. There's an effect that Jesus has. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the closer you get to Christ, the closer in your relationship, the closer in your fellowship with him. This is what I've experienced. The more stuff bothers you. And the farther away you get from him, the farther away you get out of fellowship with him, the farther away you get out of his presence, the less stuff bothers you. I'm talking about born again child of God. Those cuss words that just would make you cringe that you don't even think nothing of it. The things you see on TV, the things you see or look at on the computer, you just become numb to it. But the closer you get to Christ... The closer you spend in his holy presence and the more time you spend with him, the more you see sin. 
And the Bible says, not only is there an overwhelming sense of sin, but there's an inability to stand. They wasn't running around. They wasn't shouting. They wasn't amening. They wasn't doing nothing. They were on their face. I've been in a lot of emotional services and things that that I heard evangelists say and people say, boy, God showed up tonight. I'm starting to really understand it. Nah, he didn't. There might have been emotional music and emotional songs and people got stirred. But if God really showed up, there wouldn't be all that. There would be people all over the building with their faces in the carpet. His effect. He passed completely out. It was such a significant event. But then it says this. We got to hurry. Got to hurry. And behold, a hand touched me. Which set me up on my knees and upon the palms of my hands. I mean, he he, he can't even get up. He can just get to the palms of his hands and his knees. And he said unto me, O Daniel... A man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee and stand upright. For unto them I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand. 21 days ago. Some say 24 days ago because three days had passed. And to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy so let's look at the number three, the proclaiming angel. First of all, we see his message. His message. First, his message is about God. Everybody in here that's, that's been praying and it doesn't seem like you're being heard. Everybody in here that's going through a difficult time. Everybody in here that's grieving over a situation or is troubled about a, an issue that's going on in your life and you've prayed and it seems like God is not hearing. First of all, you need to understand as the angel is telling Daniel, first of all, his message about God is this, that God hears. Amen. Look what it says in verse 12. From the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were Thy words were heard. God's listening. Don't stop praying. God's listening. B, God only, not only hears, but God honors. It says, I am come for thy words. Because you prayed, I'm here. God not only hears your prayers, he honors your prayers. Then number two, quickly, we got to hurry. He speaks not only about God, but he tells him about spiritual warfare. Verse 13. He said, I came, I started on that first day. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, the prince here is a demonic leader in the spiritual realm. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in 20 days. But lo, Michael, Michael is the, 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 one of the named angels, one of the archangels, the chief prince came to help me. And I remained there with the Kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days. In other words, I come to answer your prayer. Three things about spiritual warfare. First of all, there's organization. 
There's organization. There are leaders and there are followers in this organization. There is a world out there that you cannot see. There are spirits out there. There are demons out there. There are angels out there. There is a battle going on right now as, you, as we speak. He said, I came, I came to answer your prayer. I came to meet your need. But there was opposition. He said he withstood me. Now, the word, where do we get organization from? He was a prince. A prince is a ruler of a principality or a state. What did Ephesians 6.12 teach us? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against, everybody say it, but against, and against, and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Principalities means regions. It means places, divisions. Preacher, what are you saying? I believe there are demonic representatives of regions all over this world. I believe that's why there are some countries that's more wicked than others. I believe that's why there's some leaders that are more wicked than others. I was, I was, I was watching, I was looking at, I've got, I've got lost people on my, uh, on my, my Facebook and I have been tempted really to, to take just because of some of the stuff they post, but the Holy Spirit, every time I go to do that, the Holy Spirit says, you may be the only light they have. You don't have to read theirs, but they may read yours. And I, I was, I was looking at one particular one where they were defending, they were defending this man who was in this college swimming thing. And, and y'all know what I'm talking about. And, and, and just post after post after post after post underneath the, this, this deal defending this. And I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here thinking, how could any sane human being defend this? And there's a reason. There is a demonic influence that is taking place in our world, in our societies. You, you look at it all over in our culture. You think, well, how in the world would they eat? I'll tell you why. There's spiritual wickedness in high places. If you don't think Putin ain't either demon influence, I think he's demon possessed. And not just in, not just in their government, in our government. Listen, there are things happening, ladies and gentlemen, that you cannot see, but it's still there. Listen, in, in Elisha's day, 2 Kings chapter 6. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And a servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? In other words, the preacher and his assistant. His assistant wakes up and looks outside and the whole army's there to kill him, to take the preacher because he kept prophesying against them. And this is what he said to his assistant. Hey, don't worry. Don't worry. For they that be with us are. Now keep in mind, there's only two of them are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee. What did he have to do? Open his eyes eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Preachers, what are you saying? I'm saying there's stuff out there you can't see. 
We, we, are, we are in a spiritual war, a spiritual battle. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Y'all need to quit fighting with people. There's an organization. Satan is well organized. I believe they have captains and lieutenants and all these kind of things. There's, there's people and, and, and organized demons over different realms. There is organization in the spiritual warfare. There is opposition. They withstood. They're trying to keep, they're trying to keep God's people from going back home. So why would they do that? Because if they go back home, they're going to fulfill God's purpose. And what's the ultimate purpose? Why in the world, why in the world would, would the devil be so concerned about just a handful of a group of Jews? Because if they go back home, then there's a great probability that there's going to be a Messiah born that's going to bust his head. Because if you look at the very first prediction and the very first prophecy in the Bible, God said to Satan, the seed of the woman, that's Christ, is going to bust your head. You may bruise his heel on Calvary, but he's, he's going to... Mm, that head wound means it's going to be fatal. So the devil and every demon of hell is trying to keep that from happening. There's an organization. There is opposition, but there is offense. There is something happening. We're not in this thing alone. He said, Michael came to help me. Thank God for Michael. He's the war angel. The angel of might and power. Say amen. Boy, there's so much stuff I want to say about that, but I knew he'd run out of time. 30 seconds. We see his message, the proclaiming angel's message, then his ministry. Let me just give you this and we've got to close. He said, he said, I came to you. Three things, three things that this angel came to do. First, to encourage how many of y'all are glad God will send some encouragement? Oh, but preacher, that's Daniel. Well, let me read this to you. This is in the New Testament. Hebrews 1.13. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not? Come on. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. <laughs> yeah, glory. Hallelujah. We've got angels here to encourage us. He said, I came. Fear not, Daniel. You're greatly beloved. He not only came to encourage, number two, he came to enlighten. To enlighten. Verse 14. Now I am come to make thee understand. What shall befall thy people in the latter days? For yet the vision is for many days. I came to help you understand. Then to enable. Verse 19. He was so tore up by what he had seen. He just didn't have no strength. But that angel had the ability to strengthen him by his touch. And listen. He, he, angels strengthened the Lord. You remember when the Lord was praying in the garden? And he, his sweat became as great drops of blood. Listen, he strengthened him. He strengthened him and helped him. Now listen, guys. I don't want you to leave here. Here's what I want you to leave here with. There is a battle out there that you can't see. There is a real adversary, the devil, who's as a roaring lion who roams about seeking whom he may devour. 
but you got help. There are angels that are on your side. Well, what do we do, preacher? Just keep praying. Preacher, I've been praying and praying about something. Keep praying. Have you ever heard of the, the, the phrase push? Pray until something happens. Say it with me. Pray until something happens. And all God's people see it. 